okay. They didn't exactly say what happened to the doctor, but friends are fine and the helicopter's coming back in in the morning. Well, he's lying. What the message said was, what are you talking about? The doctor is fine. You know me as Cole. What does that mean? The doctor is fine. I don't know. Why are you lying? Why did you say that the helicopters are coming back? Jack! Are you ever going to take us off this island? Welcome to this episode of Sass and Sips. Today we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 9 of Lost, The Shape of Things to Come. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And what are you drinking today, Agnes? I'm having a big glass of bubbly. Mm, Nice. I'm drinking a Stella. Stella! (laughs) (laughs) might be a burpy episode. Buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. Well, way to welcome in uh, 2024, huh? Let's be fancy drunks. Happy New Year, guys. Also it's a year. Say, oh, what? I said it's going to be a year. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. <laughs> Let's hope it's a good one. So I just want to say thank you to all the people who sent us a message for our last call to action. And for those of you who did give us your address, your goodies are on their way. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Santa, Santa's coming. Santa's coming. A little late, but um, considering like the twelfth is a Christmas, and Epiphany hasn't arrived yet, so you still got time. We're not really late. We're up to the sixth. <laughs> Most Catholics out there, you know, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give me your first thoughts on this episode? You fucking bitch. (laughs) I knew it was coming. (laughs) I knew it. Explain. Made me seem like I was a cold-hearted bitch. I mean, listen. (laughs) (laughs) I want to tell you, though. I wasn't surprised. It was no. It wasn't a jaw dropper. I was like, yeah, okay. Obviously, you weren't surprised when you literally fucking predicted it, Nostradamus. Okay, Sherlock. Um, yeah, you. But you like you made me feel like I was such a horrible person. I'm like, but this is big. We're talking about. Definitely using her in a pawn. I don't see that. That's not a surprise. <laughs> Have her killed. Also, not a surprise. But you know, was I hoping that he wouldn't go to have like kill her? Yeah, I was hoping, but. Uh, fucking bitch. She's like, oh my god, you're so dark. <laughs> Your facial expression was complete shock and awe. Like, you stop with you. I'm a very good actress. I don't know what to tell you. You were doing so- this is what your husband said. Oh! oh. <laughs> <I'll> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 
the look on her face though, people. She's like, um, well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lisa. Hmm. That's all I have to say. <laughs> not, not, I, can you hear it? What is that? I, I knocked on the table. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, I, <laughs> I couldn't hear it. That's an inside joke. Yeah. I need the privilege to know this one. Or if you listen to the the pre-show, because I I actually did tell Brittany, which is funny, because I can't believe I didn't actually tell you. Your husband was shocked. Like he was more shocked that you didn't tell me than over the experience. I think that disturbs. <laughs> the experience was like, okay, it was funny, but this is like, what she didn't tell you that. Yeah. Shock and awe, I tell you, shock and awe. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you want to relive my embarrassment, go find the pre-show. Yeah, I slip a lot of sneaky shit in when we record. Thank you for giving me the finger. You're welcome. And my manicured finger. At least, yeah, I, at least I give you that very much nice finger. Why, thank you. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I really wish that you could, at the end of watching all of Lost, I really wish that you could then go back to the podcast just and so that you could hear all the shit and just be like, this fucking bitch. <laughs> this, you thought you were pissed off at CJ? You're going to be like, I don't even know if we're friends anymore. You'll be like, this fucking... I can't believe, like, from, from the get... Um, you're going to be like, she said what? I said what? Like, <laughs> I say too. See, you were supposed to, at the end of each season, tell me mm-hmm. these moments. Yeah. I I'm I know. I think... You failed. Three, we didn't get to do it. You failed. But, you failed. But <laughs> season four, we will. I'm. I have... So season four, we do three and four? No. Well, she season, said, four, season four, I'll just go over stuff that we haven't yet. So not That's far. Yeah. See, like, my, my book, I have all the, the papers with still stuff to tell you. I got you. I, can't probably, I got uh, you, boo. Don't worry. All right, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of this season, we may be looking for a new co-host. I'm replacing Lisa. <laughs> I'm kicking her off her own podcast. Guys. Fine. Fine. <laughs> On the island. At the beach. Don't sing. <laughs> you know- Okay, you know what's one of the things that I like about this episode, though, is that legit. You watch this episode and you start to you start to see like, oh, oh, that's how, oh, that's oh, look that, and then like it connects this dot and it connects this dot, but then without even realizing it, you're like, oh fuck, it just gave me like five new dots. <laughs> you mean like every episode? The um. So Lost is a show that you actually have to watch and pay attention and focus on and take notes and take the crib notes and watch. Yeah. it's a. So this episode, I was busy doing other things. So I really wasn't as focused as I should have been. So I'm going to have a real, I'm going to have a lot of real dumb moments this episode. 
Okay. Which is not really news, now that I say it out loud. Okay, never mind. All right, well then let's just jump in. So on the island at the beach, Jack and Kate smile and wave at each other as Kate digs her bare feet into the sand and lowers the straps on her camisole. What's with the dramatic part? <laughs> she has the hand movements oh, no. and the voice. <laughs> She's getting into character. I've been drinking. Um, and what's new? I know. Jack goes into his tent and goes through the box of medicines. Kate comes in and tells him he looks awful. He takes what he says are antibiotics and that he has a stomach bug. They flirt until they hear Vincent barking. And then... It's funny. She, if she would have barked, then it would have been funny. Um, (laughs) and then bernard calls for help they run to investigate and find a dead body in the surf they pull it from the water and daniel reveals that the body is ray the freighter's doctor his throat is slit jack asks when daniel last saw ray and daniel replies when when is kind of a relative term that's like the beginning of the episode, and then basically the next sent- the next paragraph is like the end, but we're just going to do it now. So later, Daniel partially repairs the satellite phone using wiring from the plane, enough to communicate with the freighter in Morse code. He transmits what happened to the doctor and listens as the freighter replies. Daniel says that the response from the freighter was that Desmond and Saeed are fine and that the helicopter would return in the morning. Bernard steps forward to say that the reply was, what are you talking about? The doctor is fine. Under pressure from an angry Jack, Daniel reveals the freighter never planned to rescue anyone from the island after all. Jack doubles up in pain and stumbles away. So when he said, what do you mean? The doctor is fine. This goes back to he said, time is a relative thing. So at the time that they got the message, the doctor is fine, technically speaking. But in this five seconds away on the boat, on the island from the boat, it's really what a day and a half. They said it's. I think they're. I think they're behind. Well, obviously they're behind, but like like a was it like a half a day or something? A half a day because it's like yeah. So much has happened. I feel like it's been more than a half a day. Like, the doctor really shouldn't be fine at this point. Because if, I feel like it's been more, you know... Right. Six years happens. Like, a whole lot of shit happens in, like, one day. Meanwhile, three seasons later, you're still in the same day. Yeah. Hey, guys. We are here with an update to our scheduling. We just wanted to let you guys know that from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we are going to be going back to every other week publishing schedule. Okay, say something witty here. Witty? Because actually, as you're talking, because you kind of, I don't know if this is witty or not, but you sounded very sex kitten when you said, hello. You know, I was like, oh. Agnes is at a loss for words, apparently. <laughs> I know, it doesn't happen. This is like a 30-second promo, and you don't have words. But okay, the point is, 
from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we're going to release our regularly scheduled lost episodes every other Monday. Maps will still be every two weeks. And Spotlight will still be the first of the month. And then after Labor Day, we will go back to Lost being put out every week just so that we can be able to spend a little bit more time with our families and enjoy the summer. So that's it. That was the update. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) At the barracks, Alex is captured by a group of six mercenaries from the freighter, led by Martin Kimi. They remove her blindfold at the sonic fence surrounding the barracks and order her to deactivate the fence. She wants them to make a promise because the survivors have a baby with them. But Kimi holds a gun to her head and she enters the code 1623 and disarms the fence. At the barracks, Sawyer, Locke, and Hurley are playing Risk. I like how when they're playing and it's like so intense, but like, you know, it's kind of like a fake out because they're like, they want us to go against each other. You're going to kill us all, blah, blah, blah. And Hurley is like, Australia is the key. And it's kind of like a, like a, a weird, like in the sense of the game. So it's kind of like a play on the show. It's funny. Like, right. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of that famous line from every TV show and every movie. This is not a movie. This is real life. Like, I love that. <laughs> I love that line. I crack up every time I hear it. Cause I'm such an asshole. <laughs> The phone rings and Locke picks up the receiver and hears an automated message repeating code 14J. Code 14J. Sounds like me when I'm paging. Code 14J. Pick up. Code 14J. Pick up. Sexiest person at the dealership, aren't you? (laughs) Well, actually, no, there's two exotic women now. (laughs) Anyway. Look at my daughter. And they. Fine. So funny. Funny story. So the <laughs> one of the math, one of the employees, management, whatever, and they're like, "Oh, what time do we leave today? Noon?" I say, "Yeah, noon." And they're like, "Who comes in?" I said, "Krista." And I said, "So you still get some sass throughout the day?" He goes, "Oh no, she's the nice one." So I made this look. I'm like, "You don't know her." So when I told her, the look on her face was like, "I'm like <laughs> me, nice." <laughs> oh i'm like they really don't know you she's like no not at all (laughs) okay back to it's a movie not a not real life ben is playing the piano in another house and is agitated when Locke and sawyer come in and tell him about the phone call Ben opens the piano bench and pulls out a sawed-off shotgun. I love that. That is my life. I want to say life goals, but that's not actually my life. But <laughs> I felt that to my bones. Um, my grandmother and, and my great-grandmother, that's how they, like, no matter what part of the house they were in, mm-hmm. like, everyone has their chair. They had their chair in the kitchen. They had their chair in the living room, their bed, whatever. They had their spots. And whatever spot they they knew they had a gun that they can just pull out if necessary. <laughs> I don't know about that life. So, you know, it's a lot like the South and the Midwest are very similar that way. You know, I mean, I don't have a gun, but I got my bats in my spot. So. Same premise. Like you have, you have your weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have my bats. <laughs> I got my, I still have my ugly sticks. 
I, I don't have one in my car anymore, but yeah, I used to. <laughs> Uh, um this this childhood tribulations of one being a female and then and you got you just have to just people suck Mm -hmm. yeah but that's like a whole nother side quest and we're not going on it right now but mom okay sorry i'm 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 too buzzed to get pissed off (laughs) <laughs> oh, I think you meant like a side quest, a, 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 a tangent in general. This particular tangent. Well, this particular tangent. Got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, we warned you that we're all drinking bubbly. So this is going to be a gassy show. <laughs> <laughs> he racks a shell and he hands it to a surprise Sawyer. They take a position at Locke's house, which was formerly Ben's, blockading the doors and windows. Locke demands to know what is going on, and Ben replies, they're here, but he doesn't say that. (laughs) He should have. Ben warns Sawyer not to go outdoors, but he goes to wake Claire from her house and fetch her. Ben tells Locke that he must survive the attack so that the two of them, with Hurley to guide them, can get help from Jacob. Sawyer tells Doug, who's another survivor, to get inside, but gunfire from the tree line kills Doug, Jerome, and a woman. I mean, honestly, do these people actually have fucking names, or did they just, like... I think it was the... the it came out the hat. They're like, you know what? Let's just give them names as we write this enough. It's literally, as they were writing the synopsis, I think they're like, okay, these are their names now. Well, it's like Doug, Jerome, and a woman. So the woman doesn't... Even a get a fake name. <laughs> the patriarchy, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer manages to dodge the hail of gunfire, return shots with his handgun, and he works his way to Claire's house just in time to see it destroyed by, like, some kind of fucking bomb. Da-da-da-da! Super Sawyer! I'm sorry. But, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, with only, like, a picnic table with (laughs) big-ass slats to be like, nope, I'm safe here. (laughs) Oh, but if anyone's going to be safe, I'm glad it was Sawyer. Yeah. Sawyer's my favorite. I I love Sawyer. Because mm-hmm. he's who he is, who he is, and he, it was the like, fuck. he just ran through a hail of gunfire to try to save Claire. Of all, right, and he's the person. He's like that anti-hero. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he, like when a shit hits the fan, he got your back. Yeah, yeah. Only when the shit hits the fan. Under normal circumstances, you're on your own. <laughs> he's like, no, you can for yourself. I'm a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> After the house explodes, the gunfire ceases. I mean, Sawyer searches. I mean, right? Like, well, after that, what, what more is there? <laughs> Sawyer searches through the rubble of the house and finds Claire scratched, but otherwise injured. She was like the fucking wicked witch. Okay, all you see is her feet with like a house on top of her. Like they really do love their Wizard of Oz themes in this show. As he picks her up, she's dazed and calls him Charlie. Sawyer yells for the others to open the front door as he carries Claire, but it's blockaded by furniture. Against Ben's wishes not to open the door, Hurley's like, fuck that, and he throws an ottoman through the window. He's like, okay, I didn't open the door. Are you right? <laughs> and this is everything Hurley's, you said. Yo, Hurley's taking some serious leadership in this episode. Did you notice that? Being super Hurley. Super Hurley. Shortly afterward, the doorbell rings. Like, such a fucking normal thing, right? They're all just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Ding dong. Ding dong. 
Ding dong, the witch is dead, the witch is dead. Okay. <laughs> Sawyer sees who's at the door and unlocks and opens it to let Miles in. Who has a walkie-talkie from the mercenaries? Explain to me how they didn't want to let Sawyer and Claire in, but they could open the door for Miles. Like, okay. Right. Well, then again, Sawyer was the one who just made the decision, not Ben or Locke. So if Sawyer had been inside, Sawyer would have moved the stuff to let Sawyer in. <laughs> okay, good point. <laughs> Sawyer would have Sawyer in. Okay, good point. <laughs> that makes sense in at least a kind of way. Yeah, it does. And that whole alternate universe parallel with the earth turning kind of way. Oh my God. Yeah. You look like you're at a rave. I told you it'd be like a really hot dance move. <laughs> ben initially refuses to talk to them, but Miles tells Ben that their hostage is Alex. Didn't he say it's your daughter? I mean, yeah, he he said it was your daughter, but like, I guess in the synopsis land... It's, you know. But I think it was just somewhat poignant to say, it's your daughter. So synopsis, you failed there. The synopsis, like you missed, it was a missed opportunity for some drama. Ben talks with Kimi, who instructs him to look out a window so they can talk face to face. Kimi asks Ben to come out and promises not to harm anyone else. But Ben tells him his violent history and that he knows exactly what kind of man he is and that he can't be trusted. Kimi drops the formalities, and Alex is brought and forced to kneel at gunpoint. Kimi instructs Ben to walk out the front door, and no one in the house will get hurt. Ben refuses and issues a counteroffer, instructing the mercenaries to turn around, leave, and forget the island. You gotta, you can't blame him for trying. <laughs> no. Kimi tells Alex to say goodbye and tells Ben that he has ten seconds. As Kimi counts down, Ben says that Alex means nothing to him, as he took her from an insane woman and that she is just a pawn, nothing more. Alex hears this in anguish and pleads for her life. Ben declares that he is not coming out the house, and Kimi shoots Alex in the head. So you weren't surprised? No. I, I mean, I was kind of surprised, like, that they would actually kill her. Not, not that <clears throat> Ben would allow it, but that the show would kill her off. Yeah, Matt. Okay. They kill everybody off. That is true. <laughs> That's a good point. Ben stares in shock before muttering, he changed the rules, and quickly retreats to his secret room where he seals a blast door behind him. Ben pushes aside his... Oh, what? I feel like this is the point. This is the that turning point. When Ben is going to become more Benish. Okay. This is when Ben is going to be like, oh, it's on. But in a nice, calm, methodical way. But in, in, the, in a Ben way. In a Ben way. It's going to be, he's going to be very methodical about it. He's going to be, yeah. No ben fucks given. Right. Oh, if, if you, if, if, if he could be more so that, I don't know if he could even be that. <laughs> I don't know. Ben pushes aside his hanging suits and reveals another secret doorway. The walls appear to be made of stone and the door is carved with some sort of hieroglyphics. He opens the door and walks in. 
Later, Sawyer shouts and beats on the blast door that closed behind Ben when Claire emerges from another room carrying Aaron and asks, what's going on? Sawyer asks Claire, you all right, sweetheart? And she tells him, yeah, a bit wobbly, but um, I'll live. Right. I was like, Ira? Why? Why were you? Because not that he doesn't have feelings, not that he doesn't care, but he Sawyer. does, you don't see, yeah, you don't see it that often. Right, and I, he's he's very tender with her. Very tender. And it's not, it's more like big, like a brother-sister tenderness. I got to protect the girly, the woman, like, not that she's the only woman, but She's feminine. I don't say feminine, but she's soft. Mm-hmm. She's a mother of a new ch- of a newborn child. So there's a lot that there's a lot to protect. Mm-hmm. And I just to see him that way, I'm not surprised. It's still, it's still like, oh well, yeah. That you don't see that often. So every time you do see a softer side to him, you're like, oh shit, oh yeah. Well, it's Sawyer. So you make him, you like him even more. And Miles replies, "Well, I wouldn't be too sure about that." About her, you know, saying that she'll live. Ben emerges from his secret room cl- covered in black soot. He orders everyone to leave the house in one minute and to run for the tree line on his command. A rumbling is heard and the monster thunders into the camp and plunges into the tree line. The monster is multiple thick columns of black smoke cutting through the trees. There's some sort of electrical discharge going off inside the smoke which causes a flashing white light and crackling noises. The survivors watch in awe as it attacks the mercenaries in the woods. Hurley questions whether Ben summoned the monster. As it draws further away, Locke and the survivors escape into the jungle, while Ben lingers momentarily to say goodbye to his daughter. Ben catches up with the rest of the group at the creek. Sawyer is frustrated with Locke and Ben's plan to go and see Jacob and decides to leave for the beach. Miles, Hurley, Claire, and Aaron go with him, but as they turn to leave, Locke pulls a gun on Sawyer. He insists Hurley stay to guide them to Jacob's cabin. Sawyer and Locke have a standoff at gunpoint, but Hurley agrees to go with Locke and talks them into putting down their weapons. It's like Hurley, ever since Charlie died, Hurley has really kind of stepped up his game. He's a lot less... A lot more no nonsense. A lot more take charge, make a decision. I think he lost the little his the last bit of innocence is mm-hmm. gone. Of yeah, um, and then I like when Sawyer is like, "If you hurt one little hair on his curly head, <laughs> use the fact the character development." I'm very happy with Sawyer. I'm happy with Hurley. I still don't like Jack. Um, Sawyer definitely has one of the best character arcs. Absolutely. In the whole show. I feel like the main, main characters, I don't know if they just got lazy with them or they're changing their focus. Mm-hmm. But the secondary main characters, like the Hurleys, the Sawyers, like the, they're really. I don't know. I think they were written to be the best parts to begin with. I think they, from the beginning, I think they had a plan for them as characters. Not the storyline necessarily. Actually, no, with the story, 
as crazy as these fucking storylines are, they had to have something. Um, <laughs> red, like I can see, I can see now the board on the wall with the red yarn going from here to there. Like mm-hmm. you, it's getting lost to me. Um, like, um, their characters were worked out way, way from the beginning. I think because the Jack and the Kate and who else do I feel kind of like lie about? Claire's always secondary too. Jenna Summer always, I feel without the characters' names are always secondary, like the secondary main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do I feel blah about? Said, although he's not, he doesn't have a lot of main episodes. Also, another very strong character. Mm-hmm. It's weird. The ones that don't get a lot of main. The ones that don't have a lot of like main episodes, a main focus, have probably the best character development. Okay, that's enough. Okay, I'm getting sober. This is the problem. <laughs> We're gonna talk about flash forwards now. It's October 2005. We're in the Sahara Desert. The Sahara Desert with the polar bear and the space time continuum. Uh-huh. Yeah, and him, him there is not, is not an accident. Why not? Because it's lost. There's enough reason. Yeah. A disoriented Benjamin Linus wakes up on the ground in the middle of the Sahara Desert, wearing a parka with the Dharma logo and the name Halloax on it. His right arm has deep wounds on it, and there appears to be steam evaporating off of him. He vomits, and two armed Bedouins on horse, horse, on horse, on a horse, on horse. <laughs> you like cat in her accents. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing right now, like with my whole life. And speaking of things, I don't know what I'm doing with. Where is my bottle opener? God, did she use a lighter? Oh, you don't have a lighter. I don't have a lighter. Oh no. And you got your bottle? Yeah. Okay. One of the Bedouins, speaking Arabic, points out how Ben does not have a trail. The other replies, where did this guy come from? Down the sky. Right, just poof. I didn't know where. Like the polar bear. Well, speaking of, so where do you think he came from? Because you're like, he has no trail. He has the Dharma logo on his jacket. I think he just went poof. Okay, so let's see. Of outlandish agnosticisms. Okay. <laughs> he just went poof. Obviously, poof. Okay, so he has the, like, the jacket looks new. Like, it doesn't look old or beat up or ancient. Well, couldn't it just be because he lives on a fucking sunny island? So why would you ever need to wear Shut a up. parka? That too. Um, okay, so, so, fine. Be logical and shit. <laughs> um, I think they have a way getting off the island that's a little bit more direct direct as in what like a time machine beam me up scotty <laughs> like star trek so i'm just saying um i don't have something realistically outlandish yet and that's what we're looking for realistically outlandish because this is lost does it even have to be realistic? But okay. no, it doesn't. I mean, from I think for my own sanity, it has to be somewhat realistic. Damn it! Okay, 
like, okay, even like you mock my dance moves, but that whole axis space time continue change of axis is based on science ish, okay. science fiction maybe. So it's realistically outlandish. Ben asks them if they speak English, and when he gets no reply, he asks them if they speak Arabic, then Turkish. But they still do not speak with him. As one searches him, he feels something hard in Ben's pocket. That's what she said. <laughs> ben pulls out a metal cylinder, which is a telescopic baton. He spins around, beats the Bedouin who was searching him, takes the gun and shoots the other. Yo, he was like Saeed Swift. Right? Okay, so once again... I bet you didn't see that coming. I did not see it coming, but at the same time, I wasn't quite surprised. I feel like he has some kind of training or something. Don't be all flippant with me because I wasn't surprised. <laughs> Ew, she's all flippant and shit. Like, whatever. I tell you when I'm actually surprised. And I was like, okay, this has been Ben the future. Ben the kick-ass ninja. I don't know. Like The dude fell from the sky practically. He, I feel like he was on his back, like, oof, just there. Mm-hmm. So obviously he could kick ass. <laughs> Did a cloud cut his arm on the way down? No, clouds. No, we see what happened. He was in a fight, and then he fell through the space and time continuum in mid fight. (laughs) You seen Jet Li like the one, right? No, no, no. Oh my god, that's so good. You got to see that. (laughs) Jet Li, I love. I love all Jet Li movies, but the one, like, it's about this multiple universes. And there's obviously there's a you in each universe. Okay. And you have like obviously traveling to the universe is all policed because as one of yous die, like their energy, their life force gets divided amongst the rest of the yous. So bad they don't want to keep bad guys from killing all the yous. It becomes like the superpower. So it was a there's one of the Jet Lees in another universe is killing all the Jet Lees. And one Jet Lee in this universe was a cop. So it came down to those two Jet Lees. Okay, so space time continuum universe. Mm-hmm. So he's in a fight and he ended up, I don't fucking know. He he fell from the island. I don't know. He took a dive. He took a dive down the island. And the next thing you know, once you dive down off the island into the sea, Oof, no. The desert. Obviously, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Because the island's in the sky. <laughs> I don't <Okay>. fucking know. <laughs> so the beaten one then says, surrender. And Ben says, oh, so you do speak English. I fucking love it, though. Uh-huh. Like, how do you not love Michael Emerson's portrayal of Benjamin Linus? Like, you have to like him. You have to because he's just like, yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, the acting in general in this show is really, really fucking good. It is. Then you have exceptional, you know, and Michael Emerson is just one of those where he he plays characters like this so perfectly, and you can't help but love the character for like this kind of twist. What's he going to do next? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but then he hits him with the rifle butt and he ties his arm wound 
and rides off on one of their horses. Next, we see him in Tunisia. And I can't remember why, but weren't we talking about Tunisia in like one of the last like episode or two? Yes. Um, and I thought it was uh, funny because I knew that this was coming, but now I can't remember why we were talking about Tunisia. Um, something was in Tunisia. Oh, wait. Okay, first of all, we would talk. Oh, was it we, the dig? It was the dig. The dig, but dig. but we brought but we brought that up because something else happened in episode that we were talking about that we currently were talking about. We brought that one back up. Hold no 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 not not today, Agnes. You, we are not fucking no. We're not letting this go. We're gonna find out right now today in about fifteen minutes or thirty hours. Yeah, if you guys can remember. <laughs> Why the fuck we were talking about Tunisia? Uh, let us know. Um, anyway, Ben checks into a hotel, and the desk clerk asks if it's his first time in Tunisia. But he tells her that he's been there before, although it's been a while. He gives the name Dean Moriarty and introduces himself as a preferred guest. Moriarty, that's funny, Sherlock. Mm-hmm. The clerk looks for his name in a book and treats him with additional respect, asking if there's anything else she can do for him. So he asks the clerk, what's the date? She answers, it's October 24th. And then he clarifies that he wants the year, saying 2005. And she says, yes, but she looks surprised. As he heads to his room, he he overhears Saeed's name mentioned on the television and he turns to watch a news broadcast showing Saeed getting into a car as he's being hounded by the press, telling them he just wants to bury his wife in peace. Tikrit, Iraq. In Tikrit, Ben emerges from an SUV labeled press. He slips up a stairway to the top floor. He pulls a camera with a zoom lens from his bag and snaps a photo of a man watching the funeral procession for Saeed's wife, Nadia. He then turns the camera towards Saeed using his flash. Saeed appears to spot Ben, who hurries back down the stairs. In the street, Saeed tackles Ben to the ground. First, he thought he was press, but then realizes who he is and questions how he got to Iraq. Ben says he slipped in via the Syrian border. Saeed says that he meant how did Ben get off the island, and Ben tells Saeed he left via Desmond's boat, the Elizabeth. After, and after landing in Fiji, he chartered a plane. He also explains that a man at the procession, whom he identifies from a traffic camera still as Ishmael Bakir, was sent by Charles Widmore to kill Saeed's wife in Los Angeles. She was killed three blocks from the corner of La Brea and Santa Monica five days earlier. Saeed vows to kill the man, saying it's his, it's his war now too. Ben is watching Ishmael while being served coffee by a waiter in a cafe. Suddenly, Ishmael leaves and Ben pursues but loses him. Ben turns into an alley where where Ishmael appears behind him. He asks who Ben is and why he's following him. Ben identifies himself and explains that he needs him to carry a message to Widmore. (laughs) He asks what the message is and Saeed shoots him. Ben tells him not to let his grief become anger, but Saeed wants revenge, asking, who's next? Ben pleads with Saeed to think about what he's doing with his life, telling him he doesn't need to get involved. 
Saeed stands his ground, and Ben promises to contact him. As Ben walks away, he has a smirk on his face. Next, we're in London, England with Ben. Late at night in London, Ben emerges from a taxi and enters a building. He tricks the doorman, claiming to be heading to visit a Mr. and Mrs. Kendrick in apartment 4E. That's that white fucking privilege getting him in. But instead, he has a key to allow the elevator to go up to the penthouse suite. You know, if he was black, that, that doorman would have called every fucking body already. And we could have, and actually could live there. And they still would be like questioning you, but that's okay. That's, you know. Yeah. yeah. He, the doorman's like, at this hour? And Ben's like, well, yes, call ahead if you like. Okay. Go ahead. Anyway. Yeah, I said what I said. I said, oh, she said what she said, people. No fucks given. And what? I don't. I don't. <laughs> ben makes his way into a bedroom and he calls Charles, who wakes. Ben inquires as to when Widmore started sleeping with a bottle of scotch by his bed. Widmore replies, when the nightmare started. Charles asks Ben if he has come to kill him. Ben says, we both know I can't do that. He instead accuses Widmore of changing the rules and killing his daughter. The two argue about who bears responsibility for Alex's death. The debate concludes with Ben vowing to kill Widmore's daughter, Penny, so that he will know the same pain Ben knows. Widmore claims to know what Ben is, saying everything Ben has he took from Widmore. Ben says Charles will wish he hadn't changed the rules, and Widmore counters that Ben will never find Penny, and that he wants his island back. Ben tells Charles he'll never find the island. Charles then says that the hunt is on for both of them. And with that, the episode ends. I vaguely remember something I said, I don't know, a couple of seasons ago about the island is everywhere and nowhere and it's not here and it's all over. I think I said something like that. Or maybe I just thought it. See, you'll never find the island. The island is nowhere and everywhere. The island does not have a stationary location. So it moves. It, thank you. The island moves. You have said that before. I have, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I said it, thought it, or just a drunken no, no, stupor. I've heard you say that. Okay. I mean, I don't know uh, how you move an island, but. I mean, listen. Talking about, so. This is lost. I have a fucking polar bear in the Sahara Desert. So. Right. So I, I guess the island could move. <laughs> thank you. Right. It was a good. Okay, so. I don't feel too bad. I, I think I caught all the nuances considering I was a lot of hidden shit. Right. So thank God it was a good episode to be otherwise occupied. All right. Some trivia. I'm the ready. Dar- the Dharma logo seen on the breast of the parka worn by Ben is that of the orchid. Okay. Okay. Is I have some, I mean, cool, but it's, I- another, it's another station. Okay, nothing I need to remember, right? Nothing that's important. Just like, oh, fun facts. Okay. I never know what lost. Yeah. Ben speaks Arabic and Turkish. The television reporter that mentions Saeed while Ben is in Tunisia states, one of the sons of Iraq, and despite the terrible cause for his return, Saeed Jarrah, one of the members of the Oceanic Six, 
returned to Baghdad after his wife passed away. Saeedjara and his wife are from the Tikrit area. Can you just tell me who the Oceanic Six are? No. Okay. <laughs> so this flash forward takes place in October 2005, which is one year and one month after the crash. But when is it on the island? That's the question. <laughs> duh, duh, duh. Okay. The symbols on Ben's secret door appear to be hieroglyphs that are deter- determinative signs in Egyptian. A basic translation is to summon protection, according to the lost ninja. They need those hieroglyphs when they travel telepathically. <laughs> the passport that Ben uses in Tunisia is Canadian. A. I believe. That's usually the safest passport for spies to use because they can the stakes out of all the bullshit for the most part. Mm-hmm. So when people want to get in and out of like questionable countries, like where U.S. passport may not be seen as a friendly mm-hmm. or a London passport might not seem like a Canadian passport is, is like the go-to passport. I have no life. Okay. <laughs> this is the first episode since Egg Town to feature Hurley saying, dude, marking a four episode hiatus, the longest in the show. Four too long, damn it. This is the first episode to have a flash forward from the perspective of someone who was not on the plane and the first of two from the perspective of a non-Oceanic Six member. Did they have a flash forward with Juliet? A flash forward? No, she had a flash back. A flash back. Okay. So here's a blooper. Here's some few bloopers. Jack tells Kate that Saeed had informed him that the freighter's engine was down. The when? camp's satellite phone had broken before Saeed learned this information. There could have not have communicated to them. Right, because they were like, why were you doing that? Mm-hmm. There is an attached shirt rack concealing the hieroglyph door in this episode, rather than the storage shelving shown in the same position in The Economist. When Ben appears in the desert for the first time, he appears on his back on a hard, cracked ground. In the next shot, he's shown raising himself up off of a completely sandy surface. There's uh-uh. no more cracked ground. Uh-uh. <laughs> in Tunisia, the desk clerk was wearing a hijab, but it's illegal in Tunisia. See, someone did do their homework. I know. Some other things that happened in this episode, right? Notable. The doctor shows up murdered. When? We don't Why know. Why he have been murdered? We get another close-up of an eye, Ben's eye. We also have Ben closing Alex's eye. Well, eyes. There's the whole light and dark theme. So in, in the last scene, when Ben and Charles are talking. It's dark. Was dark, but both, but their face is like, like oh, half and half. Half. Light, you know, they're each light and dark. Yang and yang, yang and yin, the good and the evil, the evil and the good. Hmm. We kind of come to see how Saeed begins working for Ben. Yes. So you didn't have to wait too long for that. I appreciate that. Thank you, Lost. Daniel says that it was never their intention to rescue. Finally, he told them the truth. I mean, Locke told them. My man Locke told them, but they didn't want to listen. Ben believes that Widmore is responsible for killing Alex. 
And he vows, I mean, since he considers Alex his daughter, he vows to kill Widmore's daughter, Penny. <laughs> and then there's the whole, Widmore tells him, well, you won't find my daughter. And Ben's like, well, you won't find the island. The moving island. Mm-hmm. Martin Kimi served in the United States Marine Corps from 96 to 2001, the exact same time and length that Desmond served in the Royal Scots Regiment. And both men are associated with Charles Widmore. Okay. Some cultural <laughs> references. The title of this episode is also the title of a book by H.G. Wells. And it's written in the form of a history book from the future. One of the novel's main settings is Iraq, specifically the city of Basra, which is at the center of a world state emerging after a collapse of civilization and becomes, in effect, the capital of the world. So, as we saw, Dean Moriarty is one of the, the name of one of the two main characters in On the Road by Jack Kerouac but also from Sherlock Holmes. Moriarty. You already pointed that out. Sherlock. When Kate tells Jack, you look terrible, the same exchange took place during the flash forward and through the looking glass. I thought that was familiar. Those survivors who followed Locke, opting to seek protection in fear of the freighter crew, are ultimately those who are attacked and or killed by them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's that for your irony? <laughs> that's a good point. That's, that's actually funny. Okay. <laughs> Not funny. Irony, ben wearing a parka in the middle of the desert. Well, he, he misses Mark. Listen, the cho <laughs> travel thing, time travel space considering thing is not exact science. We're still working on that. Wait, wait, axis turn, and then it goes. <laughs> Locke did not want to execute Ben in front of Alex, and ultimately, Alex is executed in front of Ben. Womp womp. Whoops. Womp. Ben told Michael and meet Kevin Johnson that he will not kill an innocent person, but now tells Charles Widmore that he intends to kill Penelope. Well, I, I think it goes back to um, that's him pl playing a. He wasn't doing that to prove a point. He was doing that to manipulate him. I mean, yeah, but don't you think that Ben would follow through? Oh, I think he'll follow through. But he told Kevin that he wouldn't kill someone. That oh, was okay. him being manipulative. He, like, he gotcha. really wasn't trying to prove a point to, got, to I Michael. what he told Charles. To okay. No, he no, was just it. like, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Alex is killed by Kimi, who's an ex-military non-commissioned officer who works for Charles Widmore. Ben later employs Saeed, who is ex-military as an assassin whose primary role is to kill Widmore's people and possibly Widmore's daughter, Penny. Okay. When they're in Charles Widmore's bedroom, the Black Rock Storm painting is seen. Okay. That Remember that's the one that he bought in the auction? Oh, 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 oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? And then some of the, so we know, now we know why Saeed is working with Ben. We see that Ben is another one who can get on and off the island. We also get hints at what 
is this relationship that Ben and Widmore have rules? What are the fucking rules? Like, why will he never find the island? Why was Ben in Tunisia? This time and last time. I mean, oh, and one of the rules is that they can't kill each other. Anything? Yeah, no, not the moment. <laughs> okay. I can't, no, I, yeah, no. By the next episode, I will have a theory. Just remind me. <laughs> so don't you, like, okay, back to how we talked about that last pre-show. Mm-hmm. About, like, how you ended up to be a spy. Mm-hmm. And the so my little, like, stories were kind of, like, kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I also know that Canadian um, passports are kind of prefer over American, depending what country they're trying to get into. There is likely that someone will want to take me to help them spy and be. <laughs> th- come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if anybody needs a sidekick, a spy sidekick, I'm available. I'm available. Please, if you're single, that'd be amazing. Oh, please, you know, that'd be great. Please, please. please. But come on. I know how to use weapons. Different types. My mama taught me how to use a couple. I am, uh, you know, I'm useful. Mm -hmm. Weapons are sold separately. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a package deal. So, Sherlock. Uh Uh-oh. What do we have coming to us next week? Next week, we sorry. <laughs> next week we have the next episode of Law. Actually, it's not quite the next week. It's like two weeks, but the next episode is something nice back home. Plus, we are getting ready for our season four bonus episode, and we want to invite you to join us if you want to participate. We are going to do a recap slash trivia episode and you can dm us or send us a message all of our contact information is in the show notes you can go to assassinsips.com you can find us on uh, our email twitter instagram facebook and just let us know that you want to participate and we can give you more details with that being said before we sign off We also want to give you guys a call to action. We really appreciate all of you who participated last time, and we'd like to keep the momentum going. So in honor of our season four beginning to wrap up, we invite you to share your favorite episode. It could be season four, or it could be from any season. Just pick your favorite episode Share it to any of your social medias. And if you'd like, you can say why it's your favorite. We'd love to hear that information. We also like to remind you, as always, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Go to sassandsips.com for all the ways to support this show. And until next time, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And we're out of here. See you later. Bye. I think we should leave all of this in. Oh, no. <laughs> we warned them.
So you know, I have my phone, my phone on silent, so I have to check it every so often. Oh, excuse me. This is a nice one. Oh, felt good. I didn't know. <clears throat> Jamie Foxworth, the one that played um, the little sister on the Family Matters, the one that went upstairs and never came back. Mm-hmm. She started doing adult films. Obviously, when she got older, not as a child. Well, fuck, they wrote her off a show. She got issues now. Even her fake family didn't want her. That's a, damn. the ultimate daddy issues. Right. The fake daddy didn't want you. Like, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> and back to daddy issues. Why do women always get blamed for daddy issues and not the motherfuckers that cause the daddy issues? Not the daddy. 